Hey guys, and welcome to the Life at Smythe podcast. As we step into Core Values Month, what better way to celebrate with a little Smythe TED Talk with some of our very own inspiring leaders from the firm. Take a jog down memory lane with me, your host, Nguyen Nguyen, as we delve into the passions and the determination of each individual's journey and gather some golden nuggets to their path to success. But most importantly, what does each core values represent and mean for them and the firm? Well, buckle up, friends. Time for a deep dive session and maybe a little to maybe a lot of banter as we immerse into the life at Smart Culture. I hope you enjoy this mini series. Hi, Michelle, and thank you so much for coming on this wonderful episode with me today. Uh, Well, for this week, we're going to be honoring our core value of progressive. And I thought, what better person to talk to? And, you know, well, I tell all my friends about this, even my colleagues, I love talking to Michelle all the time. (laughs) But in relation to the core value of progressive, I feel like you would be the best person to talk to, you know, interview about this topic. And I also want to mention that it is also International Women's Week. And, you know, we want to all celebrate the talented women at Smythe and celebrate all our differences and talents and, yeah, basically give some great advice for each other as well. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to share this time with you. Yeah, so I guess the the goal of our episodes is also to get to know our wonderful leaders here at Smythe. And, you know, I have a lot of one-on-one kind of time with you off screen. So I know I've gotten to know you and, you know, we have a little banters and stuff in and out. But um, who is Michelle? I would love to learn a bit about your background or, you know, tell our audience a bit about your background and uh, where and how you've got yourself to where you are today. Yeah, well, um, I guess, you know, we'll go back to when I was 12. Um, so I'm going to take you way back. Um <laughs> I won't say how many years um, people can start to figure that out on their own. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, when I think about my career, I think it started when I was 12. Um, That's when I started my very first business. I was um, making Barbie clothes and selling them at craft fairs. And, um, you know, my mom had told me I had to learn how to sew. And uh, so I was like, hey, if I if I have to learn this this thing that I, I really wasn't sure I wanted to do, I may as well turn it into some sort of money making opportunity for myself. So I found this uh, this great thing to do. And I'd go around to all these craft fairs and make a bunch of money selling all these Barbie clothes, which was pretty cool and exciting when you're 12, 13 and years old. Um, and then I kind of did, you know, odd jobs and stuff like that, um, as most teenagers do. I did the restaurant thing and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but then just out of high school, I got my first quote unquote real job um, where I went and worked in in banking and I spent the first 20 years of my career in banking. I worked in uh, in the local credit union system in, in British Columbia, which was a great foundation for me. I worked with awesome leaders and uh, got just a, a great education in life and in in uh, in work as well. So that was pretty exciting. And I started off as a customer service rep at a at a branch and I would have to you know hand people money all of the time and now I know how dirty money is too and it <laughs> kind of grosses me out I think I think uh you know I'm, I don't I don't like money as much anymore but oh, uh, but we but need yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> we, we need it <laughs> that's right crypto is awesome no germs oh. on crypto um, so, um, but yeah so I would I did that and I kind of worked through a bunch of different roles and then eventually I found my way into a technology role and uh, I sort of saw it as it was 
you know, I, I knew that technology was going to be the future. I could see how technology was changing work and I wanted to be part of this progressive thing. So similar to where I started when I was 12, it was all about what's the opportunity here and, and where can I fit into this opportunity and sort of creating a space for myself there. So spent a bunch of time in technology doing a whole bunch of different roles. I did a data mining role where I was just building reports and mining data at a time when data science and data insights wasn't a thing. I was like, on the the bleeding edge of hey this is what we can use data for and and this is how it can inform our business decisions so did that some quality assurance did a little bit of programming was a business analyst a project manager so just a whole bunch of different technology roles and then eventually decided that there just needed to be a stronger i wanted something where there was a stronger link between technology and business and that's when i decided to go back into the business side and really marry technology and strategy together and um, did some work around operational excellence and improving processes and uh, really driving business forward through technology um so did some um uh did some uh, work in telecom after that, left banking, went into telecom, went into, um, then did my own consulting firm, went for, worked for a government regulator, and then oh. found my way to Smythe. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. That's but that's right. the thing, uh, Michelle, like you finally like progress and delve into such different areas, which got you to where you are today. And a lot of people, what they don't know is actually you're still continuing your education right now or going back to get your bachelor's degree. Yes, I am. Um, you know, I started off because I, I started off in banking and, you know, my parents didn't have money to send me to school, so I had to fund my own education. So I worked while I was going to school. So I was always kind of part time uh, going to school and then part time working, but started off doing a BBA and um, and then was making progress in my career and sort of continuing those two things along the way. Then I got into technology, which required me to kind of do a pivot and start to focus on technical learning. So did a whole bunch of, uh, of schooling and technology, learning about the basics. Um, in there, I got married, had a couple of kids that also okay. took up some time. Yeah, um, I got some other certifications. One of the things I'm really proud of is I got my lean black belt, which required, you know, that required almost a year out of my life to wow. get my my black belt, got my project management certification, all really great things and all while staying, staying abreast of technology and the changes that happen in technology, which can be very demanding as well, especially frankly, when you're a woman in technology, really appearing uh, confident and credible in that mm -hmm. space was hard when I started doing it uh, many moons ago. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I was left with sort of this feeling of I wanted to go back and finish what I started with my BBA. And uh, a couple of years ago, I, I started sort of starting to put the the building blocks in place to finish it. But just in the last little bit, I've decided that I want to be done in, in the next 12 to 18 months. Um, I have one daughter who has graduated and has two bachelor's <laughs> degrees. I have another one about to start um, nursing school. And I just, I want to be done my bachelor's degree before she graduates from right. university. So that's kind of the big goal. Um, and I think continuous learning is of, important. Uh, yeah, a little bit of competition there, hey? Kind yeah. of healthy competition <laughs> in the home. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of healthy competition in yeah. our house. Um, that's yes, good. I, 
there's a there's also a bar for graduating with honors in our house. If you don't graduate with honors, you can't be part of the Harrison family, apparently. So there's a there is a bar there for academic excellence as well. So sounds like my um, family. My dad's like, what? You can't get another degree after your master's degree? I'm like, Dad, like, um, come on. I'm in debt with the government. Just give me a break right now. You know, like two degrees is enough. <laughs> Tell them you're getting an education in life, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is the best education possible. Exactly. And I think that for me, continuous learning has been something that has been critical throughout my entire career and has really helped shape my career and and just in time learning as well. Like things are constantly changing. Um, and I even find that going back and doing some of the things that I'm doing now, some of it, yeah, I wish I'd known 20 years ago because it would have been very relevant at the time, but I figured it out anyway. But there are pieces of it where things have evolved and um, and courses that I might have taken 20 years ago that I wouldn't have been applying. Now I am applying them, but I'm learning the most current information. And for me, that's really exciting. It almost makes me think, you know, I might not do something like a bachelor's degree, but I'll keep this isn't even once I'm done this, that's just a piece of paper and I'll keep going after that. Exactly. And I guess like the important message here about progressiveness is that you continually to upgrade and progress in your education. Like there's never Absolutely. a long stop and it's not linear. Like you said, you know, there's such different timings. Like uh, for myself, for example, like it's very common for my culture to finish your education and go straight to work straight away. Um, it was kind of like difficult for my dad to understand and be like oh you wanted a kind of like a gap year or something like that and it was not it was not negotiable it was just very much like that was his linear um idea what success is but i want to also remind people that you know success isn't linear you can start in any time right no no yeah and and i will say this as a parent <laughs> i feel like i need to defend your dad as a parent yeah. <laughs> i i know i know my, my, I my, my kid's been on a gap year and i will say the gap year has been more stressful for my husband and i than it has been for her just because we are like hey go and get this done now um, yeah, yeah. but on the other hand really being able to find your passion in all of that yeah. there's and and I think you need to be able to explore to a certain extent in there. So whether you go and get a degree right away, you still need to keep on learning afterwards. So it's just all about how you approach it. Yeah, that's great. So Michelle, I know that um, you brought this up at the AGM about the metaverse, and I have a mm -hmm. lot of questions around that today and also questions from our employees. So shout out to Bernice for sending questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was, I think it's going to be such an interesting topic to kind of uh, wrap around as, you know, like you said, our, you know, our world is progressing and our industry is progressing as well. So to start off, you know, a lot of people don't know what the metaverse is. And I want to know in a, a simplified form or easy form for, you know, us to understand what is the metaverse and how would you describe it? Yeah, the way I would describe it, um, and I don't, I think there's probably people who are deeper into this than than I am um, that might disagree with this explanation, but this is the way I think of it. Um, we've had a progression of, of the internet, the web, um, for uh, over the last you know, 20, 25 years. And we started off with when web 1.0, which I view very much as I could read and consume information on the internet. I would go to a page, I would get a bunch of information. Um, if I was a customer of somewhere, I would read information, then I would call them to finish the transaction. Web 2.0 was taking that and being able to have an online interactive experience. So I could get information and then I could execute my transaction online. 
Web 3.0 is more of more experienced base, and I think it's the ultimate personalization. It's about having um, that extra level of artificial intelligence, uh, virtual reality that's kind of mixed in with the experience. And, and that's Web 3.0. And you'll start to hear the term Web 3 a lot. Um, it's really making its way into job roles, out okay. into the world. I actually heard a stat on the weekend that the metaverse was mentioned like three times in 2020, but last year it was mentioned like 450 times in earnings calls. So you're starting to see this progression of these terms. But this Web 3.0, this metaverse concept is really about uh, having an interactive experience. And I will use the example of grocery shopping because that's the one that this is the <laughs> thing. This is the thing I hate doing that I also hate doing online. I hate doing it in person and I hate doing it online. But the reason I hate doing it online is because you scroll through like lists. Like if you look at yeah. a Save On Foods or a Superstore, you're scrolling through a list of items and you're clicking off what you need based on probably what you have in a list. And there's no creativity or imagination involved in that as in, in my world. But when I'm going down the aisles, I'm inspired by the things that I see and ingredients and how I might combine them together and how my list might change based on some new item yeah. I see on the shelf that I might the not have thought out in the right? list. From yeah. Things, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So this is, see, it's it's not linear. My it's education not. <laughs> isn't linear and there's no linear nature in my shopping. So, but if I'm if I'm in a web 3.0 environment um, and I might not, I might not even necessarily be wearing VR goggles to do this. Okay. I can have a, um, I can have uh, an experience where I'm picking up an item off of a shelf. I'm looking at it. I'm seeing other items that are around it. And it's this really interactive experience that's augmented by virtual reality and driven by a bunch of new technologies that we're seeing. So it changes the experience for us. So I think then for those late adopters who couldn't get past the things like scrolling through the list, it now is more of a shopping like experience like they would have in the store. And that's the exciting part about it is is layering on all of that to give you this really personal experience, but also give you an authentic experience like the in in world experience, I'll call it. Yeah. So and what I like about that is not just that you have that experience, but to me, that would stop me from needing to go to the superstore. And so my dream is more parks, less parking lots. Um, and that's what I see the metaverse enabling. Cause I, I think you, you know, we still, it's not a ready player one type dystopian mm -hmm. environment where everybody's going to be locked in their house. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't need the parking lot because suddenly people don't need to be going to the store and we can change our urban centers and our distribution centers, we can make more park spaces, more fun spaces. And yeah. to me, that's exciting in terms of the impact we can have on the environment with this type of evolution in technology. Right. I mean, that's a great way to think about it as well. But at the same time, you know, you obviously miss the original experience of actually getting outside the house and, you know, going shopping, right? So, yeah, I mean, I can see the advantage in what you're, you know, telling about the advance, but at the same time, like, man, how will I get my steps in? You'll go to the park. You'll go to the park and you'll wander around the park and you'll have a friend with you and you'll have, you know, you'll take a tea or a coffee and you'll enjoy each other's company. And, and that's why I say, I don't think it's like the, I don't think everyone's going to suddenly shutter themselves in, yeah. in their home, but I feel like our leisure experiences can evolve and change and, and, and we can reclaim things that we, you know, 
I used to go and I used to play in the mud in the back of my parents' house. That where that house was now is a is a, a giant parking lot. And I'm like, oh. playing in the trees in the mud was way more fun than that parking lot is. <laughs> so that was me in school too. <laughs> Yeah, so I totally get it. Well, I guess with that progression and whatnot, let's say for the kind of food industry, what, how do you envision this progression is going to impact the accounting industry with the artificial intelligence? And I do remember you mentioning that, you know, um, you're thinking of using like the metaverse or this process to kind of create avatars for meetings and as such, yeah. as such correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and, and, Shout out to Alex, because I, I always think whenever I say avatar now, I always think of Alex Wong kind of laughing at me about avatars. But, you about know, the movie? <laughs> no, about like me thinking like, hey, we should have avatar interactions. But, um, you know, I, I do think at some point there's there's something there. And, and mm -hmm. to me, that's still about, again, being able to offer personalized service, you know, digital identity form. Um, and, and that will be a progression for a lot of people. It means that we'll get to service different clients who maybe we might not have interacted with before. Um, but again, it just accentuates the personal service side, um, which is something like when we're talking about artificial intelligence or uh, the growth of technology, I think a lot of people fear I'm going to lose my job to yeah. those things. And, uh, and I don't think of it that way. I think about all of the things that it opens up and all of the possibilities that it opens up. So 10 years ago, you would never have imagined a role called um, user experience designer, uh, for instance, um, or UX specialist, whatever. And, and maybe 10 year, it was 10 years ago, so maybe it's 15 years ago. But now that that role is everywhere, we talk about user experience all of the time. But that's a new role that has evolved as the web has evolved. And that's a it's commonplace now. Um, so technology changes, you know, the roles that you need within that. And I, and my favorite thing about technology is it actually gets rid of tasks that we hate doing mundane. I mean, there are things that we hate doing every single day that it, we want technology to replace. And so that's what technology is going to do. It's going to replace some of the, the mundane things, some of the more difficult things, but what it's going to open up for is space where we can still give advice to our clients. We can still be that trusted advisor, but maybe we can be more timely, relevant, and um, and proactive about the advice that we're giving because we're getting new information. But that requires us to learn new things in order to adapt to that changing environment. So I don't see technology at all as a threat to anyone's roles. I don't see it as a threat to uh, anything that we're doing at Smythe. I think it accentuates and allows us to focus on the things that our clients value the most. So and and to me, that's what's exciting. Right? You want to it is. Of, yeah, convenience, but also we're not losing the emotional and human interactive side about it because it's going to give you more opportunity to focus on that, right? I agree. And I think if there's anything the, the pandemic has taught us is that as much as we can have these digital conversations, we do crave human interaction. And even though it might change a little bit with the metaverse and we might have these avatars walking around, we're still going to have in-person conversation and in-person interaction. Um, and, and that's going to be as valuable 10 years and 15 years from now as it is today. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, you know, so um, it's exciting, you know, like learning about this stuff because obviously we always want to find off, you know, simplified ways and convenient ways to make things better, but at the same time, we can never replace any of that, you know, and no. I guess we're delving into the next topic and, you know, 
about leadership and emotions and vulnerability. I love talking about this stuff with you, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very emotional being. <laughs> but um, what I've learned from you, and I guess in my past few years as well, and I feel that this can be very relatable to, um, I guess, a lot of people in the corporate world now, where vulnerability is considered a strength and being able to be open in that sense within the work environment and why it's so important, right? So, like, you know, I was gonna say that offline, I normally talk to you about, you know, things I'm going through, you know, I'm like, Michelle, I just had a little time to ugly cry in the toilet and now I'm back, you know, and you're just like very open and telling me, you know what, sometimes leaders, we go through this too. So it's very mm -hmm. nice and very comforting to know that, you know, even leaders as yourself or people in the firm, we go through these things. and. Um, what is your advice, you know, to be able for us to better ourselves in that sense, to become a, a progressive leader and being vulnerable? Yeah, well, vulnerability is a huge topic. Um, and, um, you know, I think there's even, I think there's a Seth Godin picture book called V is for Vulnerability. Um, and it kind of goes through the ABCs of, of leadership. And it's, it, you know, it's, I think it, tries to really simplify it for those of us who are kind of thick, but, um, <laughs> you know, vulnerability, it's, it, and it's hard as a leader. And I think there's a couple of aspects to this. As a leader, you have to display a certain amount of confidence of, hey, we're heading in this direction and I'm confident that we can get there. And sometimes that comes off as, you know, you're not, you're not able to be very vulnerable uh, because you've got to have that confidence. And I always think of it as, it's not just, it's not about have, having that confidence in myself. It's about the people around you, having the confidence in the people around you and, and their ability to get there. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why it's it's great to work with such exciting teams here at Smythe is because I have confidence that we can get there. Yeah, uh, that's a spirit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I know I have to have that confidence as a leader, um, but also have the vulnerability to say, Sometimes I'm not sure how we're going to get there. You know, there's lots of times Bob and Alex and I will be talking about something um, and we'll be debating ideas and we're like, I don't know what the right answer is, but hey, let's try this. And I think that's the second part of it is having the ability to sort of say, hey, this is how I'm going to move forward and move through that. So that's the sort of leadership aspect of, of being vulnerable um, and that tension point between being confident, but still being Hey, I'm human. Okay, and, and then I, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's the really human part of vulnerability, which is, uh, I think there's, again, we'll branch it off into two. I'm like, I've got like a logical process flow diagram happening in my head right now, but yeah, you know, at home, like I'm a crier at home. Um, and I'm, I, I cry at a happy moment. I cry at a sad moment. Um, Animals will get me every time. If there's an animal in distress, like instant tears, I have unsubscribed to the SPCA updates that I used to get because I donate money to them. And so I unsubscribe to the updates Aww. because I'll be sitting in a restaurant reading an update crying because I'll be thinking, who can do this to a dog? Like, I don't know. <laughs> a dog like that. So I, I'm like, I have to stop because I'm in a restaurant and people are like, what is she crying about? But, you know, I'm, I'm emotionally connected to this animal. And I think mm -hmm. And I think that's the, you know, there's the personal aspect, which is, you know, we do, we do have moments at home, times, things happen, not everything goes as planned, um, you know, and, and you just have to be able to, to say, hey, I'm, I'm not myself today. Um, I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not 100%. I'm not totally here. I've got this thing going on and be open about it and be supported by your leader, regardless of where you are. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and say, hey, 
you know, we'll get through this together um, and support one another. So to me, that's an important part. Um, and then I think there's the other part, and this is where, you know, keeping on the theme of International Women's Day yeah. <laughs> and, and crying is, I think women get a bad rap in the crying area. <laughs> like, I, let me be honest with you. I'm pretty passionate about this, but <laughs> women getting bad rap in this area. And it's because we're so friggin' passionate about what we're doing and, yeah. and so invested. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if there's a nature versus nurture argument, but the stats are out there. Women are far more prone to cry when they're invested in something. And, and in, there's that emotional discharge, it, you know, often doesn't last very long. And it's just owning that. And yeah, I cried. I'm passionate about this. I'm frustrated by the way, you know, by how this is going, you know, how do we get this back together? I'm, I'm good now and, and off we go. And I, and I've had those yeah. moments too of, you know, walking into a leader's office, finding out some news and just that being the moment where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in this, I am on board with this and I want to go, but I just need a moment right now yeah. because I feel that strongly about it. And I think we just, as women, we need to own that and say, okay, I feel strongly about this. I've, yeah. I had a couple of tears here and we're moving forward. And I think, I think that's what women do exceptionally well is own it and move on. Exactly. And that's a good message to put out because like, I don't know, for me, for so many years, I'll be like, you know what? I'm a strong, independent girl. I'll be okay and stuff and just hold things in. And I used to have this misconception that I shouldn't expose some of the things within my personal life at work. But when because I've been leaning, uh, reading the, uh, the book Lean In by um, one of the CFO of Facebook and Google. Cheryl Sandberg. Yep. Yeah, great book. That's our yeah. girl. <laughs> <laughs> like reading from her experience as well, like during her time, the misconception is like, you know, you don't talk about these things. But what she realizes by opening up and being more honest about the some of the emotional things you're going through, it opened her up to further opportunities down the track. Kind of thing like mm -hmm. people will have empathy towards it, you know? Yeah. So... I just want to put a message out there to our listeners who's going through, you know, busy season, busy season, but if you don't feel okay, and I think make, know that we are here to support you and your team members. Yeah. So it's okay to ugly cry if you want to. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can ugly cry. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily need to be a totally ugly cry, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, we're all human. It's normal and it's okay to display that vulnerability. Exactly. So Michelle, I know that we've covered so many topics and everything today. <laughs> And I really want to gauge what does like progressive mean to you as a core value? Yeah. So progressive to me, um, I was thinking about this one a lot. I was like, okay, what, what does this all mean? And I think back to, you know, the stuff I talked about with education and, you know, technology to me, progressive is all about being able to learn and willing to learn and open to the world around you and, you know, observing what's going on and then running with it, seeking those opportunities to do something new and exciting. Um, and I think, too, it's also about accepting failure as, oh. um, you know, both the upside and the downside of anything that requires you to be progressive. Yeah. Um, and just embracing that is, again, just another learning opportunity. Um, and then the final thing, and, you know, you touched on this when we were talking about vulnerability, it's about being inclusive and empathetic uh, yeah. as well. Um, you know, being progressive means uh, looking for other people's perspectives and ideas and being empathetic to what their situation is and bringing that into um, whatever the situation is or whatever the idea is, because 
that's how we create something amazing is out of that empathy. Yeah, great message to them, Michelle. Well, overall, if you can go back in time and tell mm -hmm. 12 year old Michelle, you know, some great advice that you've given me and our listeners today, what is the one thing you would tell her? <laughs> I would tell 12 year old Michelle to trust herself. Um, oh, you've got, yeah. you've got good instincts and it took me a long time to learn this as a leader was I actually have good instincts. Um, so trust those instincts and, and go with it. Um, and, and you will have the ability to learn. So don't worry about, don't worry about failing. Just go. <laughs> That's what I'm still trying to work on as well. Not to lie. Yeah. It's something like, how do you trick your mind to think like, you know, don't worry about failure, just go for it. What, like, you know, is there a certain strategy that has worked for you? For me, I think it's, I, this is going to sound crazy. It's being <laughs> Pollyanna and having like this eternally optimistic attitude. Um, right. I, and I, I don't know where I got it from. Um, full credit, I guess, to my parents. Um, oh, good genes. <laughs> I don't know. But I just, I just think that there's just no problem that we can't figure our way out of. Um, and, and I say we because, you know, I think it's probably at some point in my career, I thought it was me, but it's actually a we. It's a who are the people around me? How are we going to do this together? Who can I lean on? Who can I pull in? Um, so, you know, it's just being resourceful. And so for me, it's just, you know, okay, you're going to fail, but you're going to recover too. So, and you're going to learn and it's, it's all going to be fine. Um, and, you know, Gary talked about it. We're not, we're not doing brain surgery here. We're not saving lives. And I think sometimes yeah. we get so caught up in, oh my goodness, the world is going to crash if this doesn't go That's perfectly. Me. And that analysis paralysis means we're missing out on opportunities. So trust your instincts, go. <laughs> yes, just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great stuff, Michelle. Well, just to wrap things up for this great episode, would you have would you like to have any final words for our listeners today um, on the topic of progressive or anything in general? Um, I think my advice to people, I'll stay in this theme of learning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stay curious and keep learning. Uh, there's a great book uh, out there called Poke the Box and the opening line in the the book I think it's the opening line it's been a while since I read it it's probably been 10 years since I read it but um, it's when was the last time you learned something new and that line prompted me to go and learn how to ride a horse and I learned as much about myself and as much about leadership from learning to ride a horse it is not easy to get a 1500 pound animal to do what you needed to do <laughs> And the one thing I discovered is the best way to get it to do something is to be gentle. Uh, and so, you know, I think if you're if you're open and you're curious and you're just looking for new opportunities to learn, the world is your oyster. So just yeah. keep learning, stay curious. And that's my message for our staff. Nice, nice. Be gentle to yourself as well. That's the thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's been such a pleasure. Like I said, every single time I talk to you, it's like a podcast episode. But, you know, we have been progressive and we made it a, a podcast episode. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. Um, so, listeners, I hope you guys have all enjoyed this episode and learned a lot more about the metaverse. I know a lot of you had questions around that. If you ever have anything or any concerns, um, yeah, feel free to message Michelle. She'll be happy to answer them for you and give you a lot of insight, book recommendations, and she will comfort you if you need to ugly cry. <laughs> I'm really sure. <laughs>
Well, I hope you've all enjoyed this episode and found it motivating. If you have any questions for our partners or feedback, please feel free to email me directly at ntnguyen at smythecpa.com. Until next time, make sure to tune in each week on the Smythe Hub for upcoming episodes. Have a good one all.